Okay, to all our fans out there, we really love you. So please, you, there is a listener support segment. You can support with as little as a dollar. Um, and please share our, our our links for the podcast. Also, if you know anyone who can sponsor us, please, please get in touch with anyone from the third world perspective. I'm just editing one of my videos in the meantime. Oh, you're doing some editing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, uh, I've got two computer screens, so I can, I can, I'm, I'm locked and loaded. Yeah, man. I actually like your videos, man. I can tell why people actually trust you on Twitter. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, man. Because I actually saw almost everyone um, basically posting their their fantasy teams for you to check out. So that was interesting. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I lost like I lost like fifteen. So, someone actually DM'd me and said, yeah. um, "Really like your stuff, mate, but I'll follow you back in a week because you've just spammed FBL teams." I didn't realize. I, I think I made. I think I think I did tweet about 30, 34 FPL teams. I just looked yeah. back and I was like, "Oops." <laughs> Hi guys, my name is Kalen. Hey, I'm Delmas. This is Pablo. This is Jabil. This is Kevin. Guys, welcome to the Third World Perspective. We are going to give you a Third World Perspective on all kinds of sports. You name them. Beach, NBA, NFL, (laughs) Beach, F1, football. You name them. All kinds of sports. Yes. Thank you. Ciao. Um, hey guys, welcome back to the Third World Perspective. Welcome back to another episode of TWP Transfers. Um, we will talk about the transfers that basically happen um, all over Europe. And um, tonight, um, I guess it's a little bit um, of an evening because it's five um, actually in Kenya right now. Um, so we are actually joined by a very special guest, um, someone who, if you're active on Twitter, you might know. Um, I think he's is nearing 4,000 Twitter followers at the moment. Um, Alex Barker, who is actually um, a freelance journalist, um, you can follow him on Twitter at EuroExpert underscore. Um, he also has a YouTube channel, you can follow him as well. Um, and we're also joined by Linus, um, Linus, who is actually one of the hosts on the Third World Perspective. We have had him multiple times. Linus is not on social media. Um, the only thing that he usually reminds us um, on every single podcast is if we get to 100,000 plays, um, he'll actually join social media because he's not um, into social media that much. But um, I have, I'm very excited to have you guys. Are you guys okay? Yeah, doing very good. Thank you for a pretty nice intro there. Quite enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, Linus. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good also. <laughs> yeah, man. Obviously, we talk about um, everything that has happened in the past few days. Um, we'll start with the big news. Obviously, um, the reason why, um, basically, the football world is, I think, still in recovery mode at the moment. Um, obviously, Leo Messi is currently a Paris Saint Germain player. We'll start with that. Um, obviously, a free agent from Barcelona. Uh, made the transition to Paris after the news broke out last week on Thursday that um, talks had broken down between him and Barcelona. Um, I think the, the, the deal that is uh, that he will get is, I think, $41 million a year, which is a, a downgrade from the $86 million that he was earning at Barcelona. 
Um, but this uh, this was actually big news. We actually covered this on the on the previous episode um, together with Linus and another guest, Amrik. Um, if you guys caught that. But um, a quick question to Alex, man. Basically, what do you think of this entire Messi thing, man? What, what did you make of it? Oh, I loved it. It was it was. It, I mean, <laughs> as someone who's you know, I've I've been defending league um, since I started watching it in like like mid to late 2019, right? So. I mean, it, it, I, I, first of all, it was funny how, it, like, if you asked any uh, journalist two weeks ago, especially staying there, all of us giving you an emphatic yes, and it's just completely unraveled. It, it's not like one of those things where everyone knew Barcelona couldn't keep him, but for some reason we expected them to. But I guess for me, I wasn't as surprised. I was, I did think he was going to go to City. I didn't expect him to go to PSG, but when he went to PSG, it was it. I was actually just reading into it before we begun. I, I like I was looking at some comments on PSG's YouTube channel because they've been doing a lot of videos about it. And the interesting thing is that Barcelona fans—they're not really going for him. It's a lot of the comments are things like that. I'm like, upset he's gone, but he's not really stopped smiling since he got to Paris. And it, that's I think that's the really nice thing about this because this is a guy who's been through hell over the past two years. Like he's been carrying Barcelona, been mismanaged into oblivion. And he's essentially been forced out. So it's good to see him, one, be in a place where everyone loves him. And two, just not have to carry a team, you know. So I'm I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, man. Obviously, the repercussions in La Liga will um, we'll actually have to wait and see what that happens with, with the financial situation in La Liga. But it's big for Ligue like you actually said, because um, we know you cover Ligue for for a while. And um, you're a special, um, I guess... An expert when it comes that's why you're, you're um, a euro expert but um yeah basically but um how big do you think this will be for league one obviously on the financial side we know we saw the amount of followers that psg actually got um 24 hours after they signed me i think they, they earned 20 million followers on their twitter or something like that what financial impact can we actually see this having for league one and psg as well yes yeah, that's a good question uh, i think it's, a, it's an important one as well because a lot of people, a lot of people seem to be saying things like, like at surface levels, this makes sense to me. Like, oh, this destroys Liga. What's the point in watching? It's not going to be competitive and things. And in the short term, yeah, there is, it is a very, very, very small chance PSG do not win the league this year. Like it was already pretty much confirmed, but with Messi coming in, I get that. But long term, this is fantastic for Liga because. It's just raised the profile, and unless Messi scores a thousand goals, which he won't, like he's still going to play as well as he did in La Liga, but it's it, it's it's the it, the boost it needed, and Liga's really been doing some quietly good things for the past five years. There's been a lot more foreign coaching. I think that was one of the big issues in France in terms of that most teams, I think nearly all teams, pretty much had. They went in-house for management, right? It was just a traditional French coach working his way up through the league system. But over the past couple of years, you've seen Pochettino coming. You've seen uh, Nico Kovac coming from Bayern to Monaco. He's had a transformative effect. You've now seen Petr Bosch come in at Lyon. Um, I've, I've, oh, the, the name's uh, forgotten me, but oh, Horsham Pauli at Marseille, the Argentinian manager, I believe. He's, uh, or might be Chilean manager, I can't remember, but he's... But, Either way, he's having a ridiculous effect at Marseille. So it's been going in a really direction. I think Messi is the catalyst for it. I think the, the standard of football is really going to improve now. 
and it's really raised the profile of it. So yeah, as a, as a league on viewer, I'm I'm really excited by it for the future. Yeah, um, yeah. Basically, the amount of um, football knowledge that you know um, that you have basically regarding French football um, is astonishing. Um, so this is this actually um, brought me to a question that I asked you, man. Um, basically, you're not in France, just so our viewers actually um, are aware of where you are at the moment. You are not French. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Some people think that, but um, no, no. I, I, some people might be able to tell by the accent. I, I live in East London, um, a less glamorous place than Palace, but yeah, not France. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice to hear. Just for because our viewers actually need to know where you are. Um, the amount of um, basically backstory. Um, I like it. Um, Linus. Yeah. Um, the last time I was speaking about Leo Messi um, on the previous episode, um, you and I were actually among the many people who, were, like Alex just said, we expected Barcelona to keep Leo Messi, and that didn't happen. Um, was this actually astonishing to you? Uh, or are you still? Um, can you still not process the, the 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 information that actually Messi is a Paris Saint-Germain player? Because um, I think this is astonishing to most people. Yeah, I mean. I'll start by saying I was wrong. I, I did I did expect Messi to be a Barcelona player. I did say I expected Messi to be a Barcelona player, you know, yeah. uh, throughout the season. Uh, and it was astonishing, especially when I was watching um, his press conference. And at some point it struck me that, oh my God, I, I you know, I've, I watched Messi play his last Barcelona game. And I had to think <laughs> back, you know, which game was it? Because, I mean, I believe even him, he must have first, you know, stopped at some point and said, you know, I, I played my last game in a Barcelona shirt and really never had that send off where you see players, whenever players are leaving a club, there's all of that final game that, you know, where the fans come and applaud him. And yeah, and so that really threw me off. And and then then came the news that he was moving to Paris Saint Germain. Again, uh, that seemed to happen, you know, overnight really because. You know, one day we are saying he'll still be a Barcelona player. The other day, all of a sudden, he's at Paris. And yeah, I mean, you 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 now start it raises a lot of questions because you're thinking, uh, you know, Pochettino was a manager who, you know, relied you know Spurs relied on a star player like Hurricane, a single star player. Now he has a squad room full of them. <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah. and it, it it creates all these all, all these questions. You know, what system does he have to adapt? To, you know, to fit in all his players. Um, what does this mean for Neymar? Because when Neymar left Barcelona, he said he was leaving Barcelona to escape Messi's shadow. And now, it seems like Messi's shadow has followed him to Paris. You know, what does it mean for uh, you know the squad in general? Uh, and so we'll have to wait and see. And also, I think uh, allow me to disagree and say this. On the long term, I, I, don't, I don't think this will really have an effect on Ligan because I think all it does is uh, highlight this gulf that there is in the league between your top team and you know the rest. Your top team being Paris Saint-Germain and then everyone else, uh, and that gulf will only be larger. You know, you're seeing because we expected that this summer, or rather, it is it is known that most of French clubs. Haven't been performing uh, well financially. Yeah. Yes. With their media pro deal and whatnot, but you're seeing uh, Paris Saint Germain being able to add all this, uh, you know, 
been able to have this growing wage bill and not seem like an issue to them. But I, th- I, th- I think, yes, for the short term, it will be good for the club, but I don't think uh, the league in itself will really uh, reap from this transfer. See, I think I, I, I get where you're coming from there, man. But they, they got cons- like I think short term, yeah, PSG are going to stomp ahead, but it will it will eventually invite competition because PSG have clearly made the big moves. But also you've got to consider in Liga and that there's only at the moment there is only three Champions League spots, so there's increased competition there and should rise. And if it was as simple as like increasing the golf, then Manchester City would be winning the league every year, and then uh, a, a Bar- Barcelona Real Madrid would be miles ahead, you know. And I, 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 even Juventus would not have lost it to Inter. So I think what it does, like, it will invite um, teams like Monaco and Lyon to go. Hang on, we can at least like solidify ourselves in second, and then potentially grow towards it. Like you look at Dortmund, right? Dortmund, even at the beginning of the Bayern sort of time, where they were really dominating, Dortmund squad was it was good, but like under Klopp, but I wouldn't say it was. I don't know after the Champions League final, I think it went down quite a bit. But now they've had players like Jadon Sancho, Alan Carnal. I think it just raises the standards across the league in in Liga. Like if PSG, with if PSG were going to change the league next season without Messi, without uh, Donnarumma and players like that. I think there's less money going into the league and other teams have to try less hard to topple them. Whereas now, if a Monaco or a Lyon, which these teams do have aspirations to win another title, they're going to have to look inwards and go, okay, we're going to need to raise the standards even higher. And also, you've got to consider as well, if PSG are bringing in all this foreign talent, that means the best French talent in the league, in the league is, is going to be up for grabs, you know. But if, John, if Jonathan Bamba and Jonathan David... They want to leave Lille but stay in France. Their 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 path to PSG is going to be blocked. So their next best step might be going to Nice or going to Monaco. You know, so I think it will have some smaller ripple effects, which will uh, level up Ligue 1. Yeah. Okay, so you think mean, so in the long term, in the long term, um, Ligue 1 will do well. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, let's I believe. Go. I believe. I don't. I don't believe. Uh, we'll, we'll see such because you know you mentioned uh, Man City and England and you understand that most clubs in England not only Man City have the financial capability to you know spend on money we haven't only seen Man City spend we've seen um, Manchester United Chelsea and there's always that competition and unlike we are now I, I, I see a scenario uh, similar to what was seen in the Bundesliga where Bayern just buys up all the great talent from you know the clubs within the league and there's this hoarding of talent and so it really does uh, in a way reduce the levels because we haven't seen other than Bayern we haven't seen any other German club perform quite well in say the Champions League in a couple of years now and I see the same because as much as you want to compare as much as you want to talk about the level of uh, the the level uh, club plays in the league you know that it's in the Champions League that we usually you know bring out this comparison of you know, club playing in various leagues. I don't think, and I think Ligan will suffer from that. Where, you know, where PSG have all this talent, other clubs. I mean, take Lille for example. For example, they were they are champions. They're Ligan champions. 
but uh, at the start of at the end of last season they lost their manager they've lost uh, an essential player like Bubakari Sumare to Leicester and you know you you'd think such effects and and you know such such will will become you know the staple but in the you've league. got to you got to think the difference there between Liga and the Bundesliga so you got to think um in in, in the Bundesliga right uh, Nar- uh, Nagelsmann was challenging really well with Leipzig and so Zupamakano and both have gone to Bayern because in the Bundesliga, because of the 50 plus one rule, it really limits like the sort of financial ejection you could put into a club. Whereas in Liga, it's a bit more like the Premier League. There's a lot more private ownership. So Christoph Galtier, the manager of Lille, he didn't go to PSG. He went to Cash Rich Nice, who are going to be completely unaffected by the, the TV rights deal in a similar way to Monaco and Lyon will. So similar way to what you mentioned at the start of your, your point there about the Premier League, there will still be the clubs who can get. I agree. I think the bottom half of Liga may it will take a longer time to keep up to standard at the top, but it won't just be PSG racing away with this. I think there will be other teams uh, keeping up. And you got to think of smaller effects as well. Having Messi in Liga automatically will uh, give you. It will automatically in, improve the negotiation you're going to have with other players. For example, you can now say to a player moving to France. Listen, you're going to be able to play against Lionel Messi two times this season. Like, you're going to be able to play against even better players in the world, and it'll attract better and better players. So I, I just think, yeah, it's going to long term. There will be some smaller effects that you may not think of, but they will ripple over and they will they will collect up. Yeah, yeah so okay, half, of, half, half of the Ligue will actually um, struggle. Um, I, I like this. I've actually reached, um, reached at a compromise. So I like this. No, no, because because okay, <laughs> we, you know if if if, if this does if this does in fact work, then then we'll have we'll have you know to say why didn't um, Syria have the same effect when Ronaldo moved to Juventus? I mean, why wasn't there? Why yeah, you know? Yeah, slightly. I think because the same, yeah. I think Cristiano actually improved Syria. Um, I think I think only last year Juventus are just about to miss on the Champions League spots and um, that wouldn't have happened um, if Ronaldo basically didn't um, basically push the other teams to improve their rosters to improve their squads um, to improve as clubs and that's why that's why Serie A has gotten actually a little bit more competitive I guess in the long term um, maybe um, it might get back to where it was but I think Ronaldo actually moving to Serie A actually helped them a little bit um, I think I think the it, best way to compromise would be like it, I think the Ronaldo point is a good one. If it, it, to both Serie A and Liga, it provides it provides a platform for it to do a lot more. I think Liga a lot more because it was behind Serie A. I think Messi going to Liga it provides big opportunity, and if they take it, I think they could really uh, keep the league. They could really get the league competitive. But yeah, I, I'd agree in terms of. It's, it's not a sure fact, maybe, that yeah. it will rise to, you know, the second best league in Europe, but they definitely have a platform to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, all this business talk has actually brought us to our next topic, which I like. Um, I also like that spot, um, basically, between you guys, you guys just going at it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, the next question that basically um, we're going to talk about, um, which, which football club in the world um, is best when it comes to football business. I know there's a few. Um, can throw Inter Milan in there. Um, obviously, they just completed that major, major sale to Chelsea um, of Romelu Lukaku. Um, there's also Ajax in the mix, Borussia Dortmund, and Monaco as well. Leicester might um, throw its heart in the ring as well. Brentford, also Burnley, maybe. 
Um, Linus, man, can you can you take this first before we hear what Alex actually thinks on this? That's why when you say best, you mean over a while oh. or because yeah, basically over over a long period, perhaps um the past ten years, six, eight, ten years. Oh, okay. Uh, I think I think when you look at uh, I'd say Leeds in England because when you look at the squad they've built uh, since they're they're in the championship and they've done pretty well also you know Wolves Uh, again I'll I'll just mention English clubs because I really don't have data for other clubs over 10 years but yeah I mean Leeds and Wolves have uh, been able to build a squad a squad which is able to help them compete in the championship and even in the league so yeah I think I think they do smart business uh, and you know long term business yeah, yeah. Leeds, Leeds are actually, Leeds are actually. I say that most people in the world at the moment actually really admire. Most people actually wouldn't have realized that Leeds were a bigger club back in the day. Um, Wolves as well. Obviously, they have lost um, Nuno Espirito Santo, who actually resigned. Um, we know the fracas behind that. Um, but um, they, are, they actually have had some good players. Um, they have actually have made some good. I've done some good business in the past. You know, they sold Diogo Jota to Liverpool. Um, we also know that Rui Patricio actually made that move to Roma. Um, we was I think 31 years old and they sold him for 30 plus in euros. Um, so there's that as well. Alex, man, basically which club is best in football, man? So I'm glad you sent me the question before because if I'd been put on the spot, my my answer would have been similar to the ones you sort of mentioned, like Leicester, Dortmund, Ajax. But I wanted to take a bit more of a, a sort of deeper and a left turn. Um, mm-hmm. I've kind of split it. Benfica and Porto. I think they wow. have the best business in Europe for the clubs because they're in a sort of a unique spot where they they they're quite far ahead of their Portuguese competition so they can afford to take chances on players. They're not though in the top five leagues so there's not like there's not so much pressure on them but they can provide European football as well uh, very consistently. And what they've done as well in in Portugal I can't remember what exactly it is but. Their, their rules on non-EU players are far less strict than other leagues. And what they've done with Brazilian players has been fantastic. I think Benfica and their transfers over the past 15 years have made a billion pounds. It might even be over the past 10 years. They've, they've wow. Yeah, they've they've really made a, a ton of money. I think, I think Chao Felix helped a little bit with that bit. Might have pushed him across the line there. But the point still stands because you've got to think as well, Moving from Brazil to Europe, I mean, you'll, you'll have players move everywhere from London to the Faroe Islands, north of Denmark. And a lot of the time, it, it, Brazilian players may struggle. You think of Richarlison, he started well at Watford, but he tailed off a little bit. You think João Pedro going to Watford as well. It takes time, but being... Brazil, obviously, they speak Portuguese, and that helps. The, in Benfica and Porto, they've built a very good platform Brazilian for Brazilian players to come across to their clubs like the, the most recent player would be Pedrinho who's um, gone to Shakhtar after not, not quite performing so well but there's other players I think um, Rafinha uh, the Leeds player I believe he's one of them too um, you've got the Alex, Alex Tellez too I think most Brazilian players have come through both of those teams and even if they don't make so much money straight away they're going they make a lot of money in sell-on clauses and things like this so in terms of business model Porto and Benfica I think are they may not be you know they may not be winning Champions League and things, but in terms of surviving, providing entertaining football, bringing players in, they've got a flawless model. 
Yeah, obviously, um, like you just mentioned, Porto. I'm just checking it it now. Porto, Porto have actually done some good business. Um, obviously, players like João Moutinho, James Rodriguez, those are some of the big names that have actually come from Porto to AS Monaco. AS Monaco is another team on my list that actually does really good business. Um, regarding regarding Benfica, um, I think a few a few months ago, a few weeks ago, perhaps, um, they, they actually got a 25% um stake interest from an American business owner who actually I, mean, I think his name is. John Texter, who actually said that Benfica is, quote, the sleeping giant of world football, the greatest developer of talent in its academies, with an unmatched opportunity to extend its mission and its brand to fast-growing global audiences. So um, those are just nice words, basically, regarding Benfica and its businesses. You are actually right on that, Alex. Most people wouldn't put Benfica and Porto in, in this conversation. Mm. Yeah, mm, I'm, yeah, I'm just looking at their, I'm looking at their, um, their sales too. Just trying to, I think they've also like you mentioned. It's a good thing to mention about Benfica Academy. Like Renato Sanchez is one that's come through there, as well as uh, as well as Jao Felix as well. There's uh, Andre Gomez, Jao Cancelo is another one. Bernardo Silva. It's a lot of Benfica. Yeah, they've, they've, I think maybe Benfica will understand up because they've combined their imports with their um, with, with like a very very strong academy. Yeah, Ruben Diaz as well. Oh God, yeah, Ruben Diaz, Ruben Diaz. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good one actually. Yeah, um, basically, um, those teams actually do really good business. But also, I think I'll, I'll throw Ajax and, and Borussia Dortmund in the mix. Obviously, Dortmund, they're, they're monsters. Um, they, we know that one of their, their, their development um, programs is one of the best in Europe. And there's there's also the fact that these guys, I think they make. Um, on average, um, something like 60 million euros a summer um, when, when it comes to basically just sales. Um, we know that the players are usually um, basically um, linked to the best clubs in the world, the likes of Man United, Man City, etc. Um, they just sold Jadon Sancho for 72, 73 million um, pounds. Um, we know Erling Haaland's release close is something to 150 million, something close to 150 million pounds. There's that also, although it seems like nothing will. Um, actually actualized there this this summer might have to wait to wait for another year to see him um, make a move but Borussia Dortmund I think I think since 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 I think they collapsed sometime in the 1990s sometime um, in the in the early um, 21st century I think their, their business model has actually improved over the course of the 21 um, 22 23 years and um, since um, all that happened um Leicester actually give them um, a notable mention in this one. Um, because it, every every single every single transfer window, I actually see them doing really good business, and I admire Leicester as a club a lot. I also like the fact that although um, although they actually lost the owner, who um, the dad who was lost in that tragic helicopter accident, the son has actually um, rose um, to the occasion really well, rose to the plate actually. Um, he has done really good business, really good business um, over the course of the I think three four years that he has been in charge at Leicester. Um, players like um, basically Iannato, who didn't seem like was actually going anywhere in City, is basically starting to look like a superstar at the club. Um, Madison. Basically, his recruitment has been very good. Tillmans, um, he has made the right decisions regarding the manager. Um, Brendan Rodgers is actually one of the best managers in the Premier League at the moment. Um, some of the signings that they have made this summer, including Daka, including Sumare, like Linus just mentioned um, a few minutes ago, um, I, I put Leicester in that conversation. Brentford as well, some of the businesses that they have done in the past six, seven years since they were, I think, in League, league One um, or League Two. Um, I think they've done 
really good business. Some of the players that Brentford um, basically fans might they know of, I think, um, Oli Watkins, um, Said Bendrama, Oli Watkins at Villa, Said Bendrama at West Ham, some of the players like Macondes, who has actually just joined Bournemouth the other day, I think for free, I think it was, but basically they do really good business in Brentford as well, Burnley as well, so those are just notable um, clubs that I'll throw in the, heart, throw in the ring. I, I want to throw another one in Chelsea, I think. I think I, I mean the loan army is really good at making money, but they can't be disputed. Like just simple pickups last season, like Melanso on a free, he'll either get into the team or in profit on. Like it's really good business. Also their academy, like I looked into this before. When Abramovich came into Chelsea in like 2004, the first thing he did was uh, drop. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure he got off his helicopter and arrived at the the training ground in the academy and was like, "This needs to change." And that cha- that was built by 2007, right? And mm-hmm. it's no coincidence that the players since about 2015 who have come through that academy have all gone on to re- like really good things. I mean, let me read you through. I think 2015 was Dominic Solanke, who's obviously done a lot better in a championship with Bournemouth. After that, it was Tomori, who's now at AC Milan. Then it's Mason Mount and Rhys James, who were both Champions League winners. Then you've got Conor Gallagher, who's impressed on loan at West Brom and Swansea, and now is on his way to Crystal Palace on loan. Then there's Billy Gilmore too, who obviously impressed in the Euros. Then the latest one's Tino Livramento, who they've just sold to Southampton. So Chelsea's definitely one that deserves a shout too. Yeah, Chelsea. Yeah, I'd also, I'd also say Chelsea, because especially this summer, you've seen them move a lot of their youngsters, a lot of their wonder kids for. You know, hefty prices. For example, McGuehi moving to was it Palace for 25 million? I asked uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that the model of buying young players, sending them out to loan, and then reselling them for value seems to work. I'd also mention uh, a, a mention would be, I believe, Frankfurt. Oh, uh, good job. Yeah, who yeah, yeah. Produced, you know, players like Andre Silva. Uh, oh, sorry, not Andre Silva. Uh, Lukayovic. Uh, and, and the model is basically let's find players who are rather middling on not really a, fa- a first uh, in the first team uh, a, a first team player as a, as a club, bring them on loan, sign them later, and then you know sell them for some good money. Yeah. Yeah, Mark Gwehi actually moved to Palace for 21 million pounds. That was actually not pounds, euros, but that was actually good business, man. Linus is, I think, I think Frankfurt also. Yeah, that that, that was a nice shout as well. Um, but regarding players, players obviously the academy players that are very good that have actually made the big moves, the big moves from um, the small clubs from the academies to basically the big clubs. Um, Tomori is one. Um, Basically, who do you guys think um, is an exciting prospect that is not much talked about in in, in Europe? Obviously, the, the young players that um, get all the rap in the in the in the in the, in the tabloids everywhere, um, Jadon Sancho, basically, um, Erling Haaland, Mbappe, those are not prospects anymore. Um, which young prospects do you guys think um, will have um, basically a very good career? Like most will shock some people. Um, Alex, do you want to go first on this one? Yeah, sure. Um, I think there's a few players we could l- list off. Uh, let's, I think Leipzig have brought a couple in in terms of um, Brian Brobby from Ajax. Uh, he's 19. He's got he's got a brilliant physical stature. Last season, the Eredivisie, I believe he had like 
think he had like seven starts and scored seven goals. He had like a ridiculous goal to game ratio. He's definitely one uh, to watch out for. Uh, in at Monaco, Sophie and Diop. He's part of the midfield with Tushameni and um, Fofana, but he doesn't get talked out enough. Talked about enough. Uh, I'm gonna slightly cheat because this one is beginning to get talked out, talked about a lot more, and it's Noni Madaweke of PSV. I mentioned him because I've been doing research into him for a biography I'm making about him. And his story is really interesting in terms of he was born in Barnet in North London. Um, he joined Crystal Palace's academy. Uh, he didn't. He, I don't think he even played football till he would have been about seven or eight years old uh, before he went into uh, football. Immediately got picked up by Palace at 10, went to the Tottenham Academy. He was the captain of their under 16s team, age 15, and was playing in the under 18s at that age too. And then he, wow. he, he looked at. Um, at that age already, though, he, him and his family had some ambitions about where he could go. And there's offers coming in from all over Europe. And he, he chose PSV, the club he's at now, uh, pretty smartly because PSV... Uh, PSV are a unique team in terms of, unlike Ajax, uh, the local city Eindhoven's quite small. I think it's around 250,000 people there, For which, for context, I live in Havering in East London. Uh, it's a small borough, and that has more people in it than Eindhoven. Uh, it's really quite a place too, so it's just known as a place for players to go and focus on their football. And Madueke's gone there and risen to the occasion. I mean, last season um, he made 24 appearances, seven starts, and he got I think nine goal contributions. So really good. But this season, since Marlon's left, my God, he's played three games and looked incredible in every single one. He tore apart uh, a bolstered Ajax side in the Johan Cruyff. Uh, sort of community shield thing. Yeah, Madaweke is one who, even though he's getting talked about now, if you were to ask me which youngster I would bet most money on to become a superstar, Madaweke is 100% the guy. Yeah, how, um, do you like Kamavinga um, from Ren? Um, there's a lot of talk um, regarding why he's also linked. Um, mm. Do you like him? Yeah, I do, I do actually, yeah. I, I, I wish United went for him, to be honest, or will go for him, but it seems to have his heart completely set on Real Madrid, and I don't think it's best for his career, to be honest. Um, but yeah, he's he's a really good player. I think lots of people talk about Sumari and Tushemeni. I think they're both pretty good, but the, the French midfielder, I'd bet, like, who, I, in my opinion, has the most potential is definitely Camavinga. Yeah, man, yeah. Uh, basically, Linus. Um, yeah. What do you think basically is the most untalked about prospect in Europe? Uh, the most okay, so he has to play in Europe. Hmm. Um, no, no, it doesn't actually. Um, in the world, if, if <laughs> in the world, um, if you have one that is basically not European, I don't know. I mean, I mean that I had uh, so in Europe, I'd say. Uh, I think okay. Although we did see him at the Euros, Aran uh, Gravenbach is one of them. Uh, he's Ooh. this, he's this, you know, this, this. I want to say this new breed of a ten, where mostly when you when you think of tens of the past, you think of uh, small diminutive players with you know with low centers of gravities and you know all that. But for him, he's tall. He's he 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 reminds me of a Rudholi type of player, a player you could see play anyone on the pitch uh, so he'd be one of them although he's known um a south american i did mention kayo jorge who moved to juventus and then there's also tiago almada who 
I believe he's playing for Atlanta, the MLS club, that is. Yeah, he also seems like a proper 10 come winger who, you know, has the technique but also the pace to beat a man. Yeah, another player that most people are actually speaking of in Europe at the moment. I think it's also linked with, with Spurs as well. Um, most people who don't watch Serie A um, might not know him, but um, Dusan Vlahovic is, I think, I think, basically turning 20 or just turned 20. Um, is is also attracting basically a lot of a lot of um, commotion. I can say um, he's. He's, he's a young prospect from playing in Fiorentina at the moment. Um, Alex, do you like do you like Vlahovic? Um, do you think he's a good fit for for Tottenham? Ah, um, uh, yeah, I get this. Asked, I get asked this a lot actually. But see, I don't, I don't know. I, I, he's got the from what we've seen, he looks very good. Um, he got over twenty goals last season in Syria. He's just turned twenty-one, and he did that in the Fiorentina side, which has been very dysfunctional for the past three or four years. But as big but it's Serie A where there's the, the league quality is very good but there just seems to be this weird curse on strikers that move from that league like like you look at Piontek who was a house on fire uh when he first went to uh, Serie A and they, he just completely tailed off like Chiro Mobile is definitely the, the main one like I can't remember a striker who in Europe's top five leagues has been so fantastic consistently in one league and then every time he's played abroad, he's been anonymous. Like at the Euros, he wasn't very good. When he's been at Dortmund, he wasn't very good. When he was at Sevilla, wasn't very good. So that's the only thing with Lahovic. But I'm just quite, I'm a little worried on him. Like I don't know how transferable his skills are. Hopefully they are. From what I've seen in the movie, he's a very clinical finisher on both feet too. But I w- I'd want another season of him before I'm a, before if I'm Tottenham I'm splashing 50 to 60 million on him you know yeah uh, Fiorentina actually praise him um that high so um that's a that's a thing for for actually Spurs fans Spurs fans to consider you know they're actually on Twitter um Linus is actually a Spurs fan man I think you can have his thoughts before, before we move on from Vlahovic Linus do you like Vlahovic and do you like do you think that um he can be a fit replacement for Harry Kane obviously not um the same quality as Harry Kane but um do you think it can be a nice fit for you guys? Uh, not the same quality yet, but has similar characteristics. So yeah, I think he could, you know, do. He could finish. He could do the holder play. Uh, can pass the ball, you know, decently enough. And he's young. Has all the time to develop into a proper player. So yeah, he'd be a good deal. He'd be a long-term solution, I think. Yeah, um, obviously Leicester just acquired Patson Daka, who is a, a forward. Um, I think I think Alex did something on Patson Daka um, before. Um, I think just before he made the move to Leicester, just slightly after. Um, do you like Daka as well? Do you think um, he's also another player that might shock some people in the next few years? I think so. Uh, I, th- I I do think some like there's. I think there's two groups of him. There's people who don't even know who he is, and then there's the people who have heard of him, are really excited about him, and think he's going to crush it at Leicester. And I, I'm, I'm somewhere in between. I think he's going to take time. Like I've. This is mainly because I've been watching um, Salzburg recently, and the quality of the Austrian league worries me significantly. I watched them play. I can't remember which team it was, but it was two weeks ago. I think it was match day two of the Bundesliga, right? Watched them play a team. 
and that team spent literally the entire game from minute one with 11 men behind the ball and it wasn't as if they were playing counter-attacking football they were literally just looking like desperately to block the box and I think they still ended up losing 6-1 so with with that I'm a bit worried on how players adapt will adapt so Dakar I think will take a bit of time but he's definitely got all the qualities there I mean I've Read, read about him actually in a couple of books in terms of how he made the journey from Zambia to Austria Salzburg. I think it was 2017. He did it six months after um, New Brighton player Enoch Mwepu moved. They both came from the same Zambian club. Uh, clearly, Salzburg have got their scouts set out very well there to be uh, finding two brilliant players from this same single Zambian club. Yeah, he's got he's a very interesting story. Very, I think a lot of people focus on his pace, uh, but his finishing is definitely. The, the thing that will hopefully transfer well to the Premier League. Yeah, um, obviously, Z- Zambian players um, actually, I think in Africa most most of the most of the either South, South African teams, Southern African teams, and the West African teams actually get their players to Europe. Um, it's not um, that much when it comes to East Africa. I think the only East African players that we've had um, play in Europe, Victor Wanyama and um, some, I think Samata. Yeah, because oh, yeah. You, you, yeah, it was at Villa a few seasons ago, and then um, I think got got shipped somewhere else. Um, but there's, there's other people actually speaking of um, Sumare, Konate as well. Um, I know Alex, you don't like Sumare, um, which actually puzzles <laughs> No, I like him, I like him. Yeah, yeah because um, you, you are a little less confident when it, when it came to him um, basically becoming a success in the Premier League. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm glad you brought up, yeah, because... Okay, so Sumari, I watched Lille nearly every week last season, and Sumari was not a first-team player until, like, the second half of the season. He was fourth choice in midfield behind Renato Sanchez, Jekka, and Benjamin Andre. And it, it, it took him... I've got a cat meowing with anyway. It, it, it took him a while to get going, and especially if you watch early highlights of him early in the season, he's not that great. Like he, he misplaces quite a few passes, makes a lot of defensive mistakes, and he definitely grows throughout the season. And his passing numbers, like statistics, brilliant. But like I think he's one of the best players in the league going for getting the ball into the final third. And he was an okay dribbler too. And he did make lots of tackles and interceptions. However, I do think that was just because he was in a Lille side which demanded that from every player because every player in that team had good defensive numbers. But yeah, Sumaru, it's good value for money for Leicester. But mm-hmm. my, my point really more is, I think at maximum, he'll be an 8 to 10 out of player in his career, like an 8 to 9 out of 10 player. He won't, he's not going to be, for me at least, I don't see him as the next Pogba. I don't see him as the next Telemans. I think he'll be a very, very good Premier League player, but not the best. And I think that, 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 that's, the, that's the bit I kind of attract some thoughts from for because some people look at that and hear and think you know I'm criticising him a lot I'm not it's just at his age he's 23 now I believe you know he's he's past the point where he will be becoming a superstar but it's still a good signing for Leicester still a good signing yeah yeah, he's 22 I think he's just about turned 23 so um, yeah yeah, 18, 18 million pounds he cost Leicester so um, I, li- I, I liked him actually. So he was very lively after he came in the com- he came on he came onto the game in the community shield against City. I, I liked the little bits that I saw of him the, the last few minutes. I, um, obviously, there's a lot there's a lot to be seen about Sumari, man. Um, obviously, Lil Lil just were the champions, but that that um, 
doesn't matter in the Premier League. It's basically a clean slate. So we'll see how it develops. Um, Linus, am I looking out on anyone, or do you have any anyone else? Uh, can we move to the um, FPL um, teams that we have um, going into the weekend? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, we can move on. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I, I'm actually shocked that you didn't mention Brian Gill, Linus. So you guys just signed for um, 22 and a half um, million, I think, in, in pounds or euros. Um, we haven't seen much of him also as well, um, but I think I think he's also he's also a talent that might might or might not be um, great in the Premier League. Um, can we just move quickly to the to our fantasy Premier League teams of the season? Um, I know I know most of most of the guys that will actually listen to this podcast, man. They they want to hear what we have to say regarding our fantasy teams. Um, I actually saw Alex's video on YouTube um, breaking down his fantasy Premier League team, um, but. Um, Linus, can we start with viewers? Because um, I don't know what you have. Um, we haven't spoken about our fantasy teams because um, we usually challenge each other on, on our leagues. But um, can you just break down your fantasy league before Alex breaks down his? Um, okay. Um, so I just I won't mention every every player I have. I just you know some highlights here and there. Uh, and so of course, of course. Uh, so for my keeper. Is Nick Pop because well it's badly badly first lot of shots and you know under in, in FPL uh, if a keeper is able to save uh, a, a, you know volume of shots then of course you yeah. he looks like an asset so I have yeah. Nick Pop uh, my substitute keeper is Raya from Brentford of course of course if if you're looking for a keeper you you'd have to also consider. Um, Ariola, who's at West Ham, although I don't, I, I'm waiting to see if he'll start ahead of Fabianski, and of course, there's Martinez, who was last year's MVP. Uh, for my backline, uh, Trent is back. Uh, he didn't have quite the season, but I think him missing the Euros will be a good, will be a good thing for him throughout the season. So. Uh, there's that. Then there's Shaw and Sufal, who are favorites of mine. No, 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 really need to explain. And then, <laughs> I mean, I'll, you know, no, there's no need to explain why I like Shaw and Sufal. And so the other two are Ben White because, well, he's he's a 4.5 million player, and you expect to see him in a national kit uh, day in day out. And thus, he's a player who I expect to see his value rise as the season goes on. In midfield. Uh, notable mentions would be Riyad Mahrez for City. He looks really bright over the <clears throat> during the preseason. I think he should get a few more starts this season. And every time he's on the pitch, he seems as if he can create something, or you know, be on the end of a really other good move or supply a really good move. And then of course there's Hyung Min Son who. Uh, I'm a Spurs supporter, so of course he'll be the player. Um, if indeed, if say Harry Kane was to miss the opening fixtures because he hasn't been training with the team and you know Nuno midfield, uh, he, he doesn't want to rush him to the team or something like that, then you'd see Sun playing up front, mm-hmm. and there's always good value when whenever a midfielder plays as a striker because you know it, it, it's always a worthy gamble to take. Uh, someone I'd note is also Ben Rama for West Ham. He didn't start quite a, a lot last season, uh, but yeah. again, over pre-season he's looked good. He 
she looks to have this uh roaming role where she kind of you know starts from the left and then moves into central areas she's always good for a player you want you want a player who moves around the pitch and touches the ball at certain places you know as a centrally but within the box mm-hmm. so yeah and then up front i have bumford and ings who ings recently moved to aston villa yeah i mean yeah yeah I, i like i like i like your squad man i actually um, i think this is this is the first time i've actually had your squad before the before you actually went into the into the weekend um this is this is nice i'm actually i'm glad that you actually came up with this this segment so just so i can hear your squad and know what you have um i actually considered said ben drama for a while um i, I think i think he, he will provide good value this year especially with jesse lingard um, not playing for stam this year so i think Said Ben Rama is a, is a good one. I just couldn't um, have him in my midfield. But um, Alex, man, um, can you can you give us um, the basically the, um, what your squad looks like? Yeah, sure. So th- this weekend I'm starting Allison in goal because Liverpool beat Norwich. That's the game I can bet on for one team not not to concede. Uh, similar vein uh, to Linus in, in defense I've got Alexander Arnold then I've got Nelson Semedo because I think under Bruno Lage he's going to do really well uh, this season because um, at Benfica Lage really backed his fullbacks and pushed them forward uh, I expect Semedo to flourish from that also got Daniel Marty because of Leicester's injury crisis he should be playing in defense um, we've got Luca Digne against Southampton who I think could get relegated now Vestergaard's gone Uh, I've got my midfield is probably my golden bit. I've got Salah, Ben Rama, Saka, Havertz. Uh, Linus was definitely good to mention about Ben Rama last season. He was in the top ten for dribbles completed per game. Uh, it went under the radar, I think. But this season, as you guys said, it looks really good. Um, he's looking really good in friendlies. I'm hoping he can carry that form into the new season. So he's sort of my cheap option. Saka, I think, will do very well for Arsenal as well after a good first season. You know, properly in the first team. Havertz as well. I'm not too sure how well you know how he'll play. Uh, with Lukaku coming in that's going to be an interesting thing to see but I've also got his teammate Werner up front who is my well I've, I've got him right now as my captain at the moment that is definitely not happening I'm not captain of Werner Salah is now captain of my team um, but up front I've got Werner and Chris Wood uh, Chris Wood is the most reliable player in FPL like he, he scored 10 goals every league season since 2015 so he's yeah. he's shooing in my team Yeah, Chris would actually had 14 Premier League goals last season, which most people might not be aware um, that he has such a stuff. Um, but Alex, you mentioned something that you just mentioned it passing very quickly. I'm not sure many people caught on that, but you actually say that Southampton will get relegated this season now that they have lost Vestley. <laughs> Vestley, they've lost any Ings as well. Do you think Southampton will get relegated this year? Yeah, yeah, I tried to sneak it in there. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So Southampton, yeah. I So... At the beginning of this summer, right, I was like, okay, Southampton are going to have to do some good things with their team. Otherwise, otherwise they could be in a relegation fight. Then, you know, it was rumoured they were going to be losing, uh, like, they, they lost Ryan Bertrand. I was like, okay, that's not good. Then they signed Ro- Romain Peru from Stabrest, a really good attacking fullback who's a little defensively suspect. I was like, okay, that's good. Then they lost Danny Inks and replaced him with Adam Armstrong, a championship player who they're taking the gamble on. Who, who's in fairness should do okay much more than Armando Broya a Chelsea loney who I watched last season for Vitesse in the Eredivisie he brought nothing apart from like 
getting on the end of some chances, but even there, he missed quite a few big chances or in for Vitesse, and his lack of involvement in the team seriously worries me. And if they're losing Vestergaard, that's awful. But at that point, they are literally, they're borderline a championship squad for me. So I'm really worried about Southampton. Wow, man, I actually have my hands over my mouth at the moment because I, I, um, that's that's a big call before before even a ball is kicked to the Premier League. But that's nice. We love predictions on that old perspective. Um, but that's nice. Made my day. <laughs> because you saw how how poorly they performed, especially when their squad dragged up a few a few injuries and now losing key players. Yeah, I mean it, it's. Yeah, they they will. They cool and they will. might actually be relegated at the end of the season. And they've been yeah. like, this is a good point as well because it's been it's not Hazen Hutton's fault by the way. He's clearly a good manager, but Southampton low key have been one of the worst managed clubs in like at board level over the past few seasons. Like that squad has downgraded so much since the days of like since the days of Sadio Mane and Van Dijk. Like they, they failed to re- spend their money well and. It's just been wasted. Like, who else remembers Sofiane Buffal at Southampton? What about Graziano Pelle? Like, it's it's quite a shame to see because they used to be such a progressive team. Yeah, yeah Manolo Gabriel looks so. Yeah, such players. For, for them, yeah. They tried to adopt the you know the selling model: buy cheap, sell for, for quite a for, you know for quite a penny, yeah. which. I believe in the long term. If if you continue, if, if you have ambitions as a club, you shouldn't. Yeah, at some point you should say, you should say, you know what, yeah. you know, and now you know you want to buy for the long term. Uh, like Leicester, Leicester, I'll get transition from, you know, that buy cheap, sell, you know, sell for, sell for profit, and now they're trying to recruit a team that can go on and challenge. Yeah, it's not it's not a sustainable business model for the long term. It might work for the short term, but in the long term, not so much. Um, I think Alex, I think I can send you a code for uh, basically a, th- a fantasy Premier League. So um, you can join that as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, just to give you guys um, what my teams look like um, before um, kick off tonight, um, Arsenal kicking off against Brentford. Um, I have Sanchez. Obviously, um, I think. Is is a very good goalkeeper. I think um, he's also. I'm getting that call up for Spain in the Euros was big for him. I think um, he's is a player. He's a goalkeeper in confidence at the moment. And Brighton are a side that don't concede so so many goals, um, especially when they play against um, teams that are mid table, um, lower down the table. So I think Sanchez at four and a half million. That's that's. Um, um, he's, he's my goalkeeper. I have Martinez on the bench because um, he's actually facing. Um, Basically, I say that I don't think um, Aston Villa will uh, will not consider a few goals. Watford, I think Ismail Yasa is, is a player that um, can cause some problems for Aston Villa. Um, so I have I have uh, Martinez on the bench. I have Chilwell at six million um, starting for me. I have Trent because it's 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 almost it's almost um, crazy not to have Trent in their squad these days. Um, Basically, their, their defense has improved a lot. Virgil van Dijk is back. I think he'll, he'll also chip in with some assists. I think they'll also look to challenge um, for the Premier League this year. Also, um, considering the, the problems that City have, I think Liverpool might be confident going into the season that they can actually challenge this year and make a run, considering if if the important players actually stay healthy. Um, I also have um, Lawton. Um, 
I don't, I'm not sure if he'll play Matt Lawton um, for Burnley for at four and a half million. I'm not sure if he'll play. I'm not sure if he'll start because Shondai likes to rotate some of his defenders. Um, in midfield, I have Mo Salah, who is my captain, obviously, against Norwich um, tomorrow. That's nice. I have Bruno Fernandes. Um, these guys actually cost me a pretty penny, man. Having these two guys in your fantasy is not easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I have Greenwood as well at seven and a half million. I think Greenwood will have a very good season. I think he'll score 10 plus, um, 12 plus Premier League goals this year. I think this is a year that. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll actually see if it turns out more like um, Marcus Rashford or if it turns out more like Martial who um, was a good um, player um, coming up and basically right now he's an average player. Um, so I have also another another player, Bertrand Traore for, for Aston Villa. I think Ooh. Grealish, I think Grealish um, not being um, in the in the side, I think he'll, he'll, he'll actually be a player that will play under the radar but he'll have a very good season. Um, the other position in midfield who is actually on the bench, I have Smithrow at 5.5 million, which is, for me, that was it was too cheap. I, I think he's a starter for Arsenal. I think his value will increase. I think, I'm actually guessing by the time he gets, by the time we get to January, his value, his value will be up by, I think, I guess a million. So I have him basically for the value. Um, up front, I have Tony, um, Ivan Tony, who I stayed back in June when we, we were actually um, summing up the championship and um, the championship game at Wembley. I, I said that I'll buy Tony uh, stuck stuck with my words. Um, I have Tony at six and a half million, and um, I have Dini um, at five and a, five, five and a half million. The other striker that I have is Edinson Cavani, who I, I'm actually seeing has a red um, basically on his profile. I think he is unavailable for tomorrow against Leeds. Um, I'm, <laughs> hoping, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping he comes back, man. Oh dear. Pablo. <laughs> uh, yeah, good. Something, something to note. Uh, so why Chayore and not Leon Bailey? Um, and and not who? Leon Bailey. I mean, Villa signed Bailey yeah, from I, Leverkusen. I think. Yeah, I think I think Traore last season. I think I think he came in um, a new player, a new system. Um, I think he did really well last season. I think he had a seven goals, seven assists. He was he was he was just nice, and he flew under the radar. I think I think he's a player that can finish really well. I think Bailey is is a talent, but I think he might struggle. Um, obviously, the Premier League is a different pace from um, the Bundesliga, so I think he might struggle adapting. But um, 135 back points. Back, back the boy from Burkina Faso. Who? Traore. Oh, I thought I thought I'd land yeah. a little bit. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Traore actually a six million at six million pounds. Um putting up 135 points last season. I think that's just a bargain. Um I actually had thoughts of um actually in, including um how I um this Leicester Leicester winger, um left winger, um Harvey Burns. Yeah, but uh, Harvey Burns actually cost a million more because I think it cost seven million, and um, Traore was just seemed like a better option. I think I think he might stand up this season. I think um, with a fin- with a finisher like Danny Ings, I think Danny Ings actually coming to Villa will actually um, basically take this the light away from Oli Watkins. I think Oli Watkins might drop um, a level, but I think Traore might get some assists, might get some goals this year. Okay. <sighs> um, yeah, man. So you, um, you guys, you guys have my squad before before we actually get into um into the weekend. But I, I think I'll change Cavani because it costs eight and a half million. So that's that's a lot of money. 
um, and get someone in there maybe. Um, but that that has been the end of the episode, man. I'm actually glad that that you guys could make it, could get time and come onto the podcast. Um, Alex, Linus, I'm I'm actually grateful that, that um, you guys um, could make time. Yeah, I've had a great time. I've had a great time. <laughs> yeah, man. I know. I know. I know. Alex, you like to talk. Um, so um, that was nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, Linus, um, do you want to say your goodbye before? before do, do you want to tell people to actually listen to the pod so that you can actually get to 100,000 plays and so that you can um, get on social media? Um, Linus? So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, do so. Yeah, yeah, I know there's always a segment where we ask for support from our listeners. But I mean, even when they engage with us, it's, you know, it's still a level of support. And when... For example, last episode we had a one of you know just a listener tuning in and saying, "Look, I want to be on the pod." And for our listeners out there, yeah, if you want to be on the pod, if you have a hot topic you want to discuss, you want to get off your chest, this is a safe space for you. Join us, engage with us, and we'll be more than happy to have you. Yeah, um, some of the things that we didn't mention on the pod, um, like Lena's just said. Basically, we appreciate you guys for listening and interacting with us. But some of the things that we didn't mention on the pod, like Marcelo actually signing a new one-year contract with Leeds, Van Dijk um, signing a new long-term contract with Liverpool. Some of the new, some of those things will actually cover in the next episode. So um, we didn't get much time. It's over an hour now, and um, I have to let these guys go. They have um, things to do, and um, we're just glad that you guys have tuned into the episode. Um, it hopefully it will be it will be Saturday by the time you guys hear this. But um, fingers crossed, Arsenal will actually get beat tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Alex, do you want to plug anything? Uh, no, I, I, I should, shouldn't I? Really, I, I don't obviously get to. Um, yeah, if you if you want to, you know, have a chat with me or anything else, uh, follow me on Twitter, YouTube, TikTok at EuroExpert underscore. I follow back on every single one. So any questions you have about anything, I'm always ready to uh, to answer. Yeah, man. Um, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Pablo You can follow the pod on Instagram at Three RD Perspective. Basically, uh, thank you guys for listening. Obviously, as usual, we have a listener support segment. You can support the podcast with as little as a dollar. Um, this has been a very nice episode, Alex. Alex. Um, basically, thank you for coming onto the onto the pod. Um, Linus as well, and um, we'll see you guys in the next one.